Hi, welcome. So we're the behaviorists, and why the behaviorists? Well, we're prejudiced, prejudiced against, against bad behavior. behavior. Mm. Like, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I think what we should talk about is what's happening in the cricket. Oh my God, I haven't checked the score, but it wasn't very good. <laughs> are you pointing to my behavior when I watch cricket? Possibly. <laughs> There's a lot of, shall we say, bad behavior. behavior? Well, you can't always determine how you will feel about something, but you certainly can manage your behavior. And by managing your behavior, firstly, you'll make a contribution to creating a better world, and you'll also have a different, better experience of life. For example, if you want to get a smile from somebody, what do you do? You smile first. There's a simple example of how your behavior determines a different response out there in the world, as well as the response life gives back to you. And I'm going to hand this to Kalinda, who is Dr. Kalinda Linda, a cognitive behavior therapist with 25 plus years experience. And maybe you just want to talk a little bit about behaviorism and what that means within the context of what you practice and, and this whole thing of behavior. Okay, that's great. So I'm a clinical psychologist by training, but I continued on and specialized in cognitive behavior therapy, CBT. And a, a core part of that is your behaviors but not just your behaviors, reactivity, non-reactivity, also your habitual behaviors and you know how you can adjust those. And that feeds into your thoughts and feelings. So by coming in at any of those angles, you're definitely going to influence the whole feedback loop. And often people present in my office because of their bad behaviors. And I guess that's the thing is where CBT and coaching align so well is that instead of having to go in and analyze the feelings and why did this happen and go back to childhood and all of that kind of stuff, you can address the behavior, recognize perhaps what thoughts are causing that behavior, and then by changing the behavior, it feeds back to change the thoughts. That makes sense. And I think that's where coaching uses what you would call behavioral activation, which is, you know, go try on this behavior and then discover what beliefs you need to put in place to support that behavior. And then you don't have to go into 10 years of therapy to make that shift. You can do it very quickly and effectively. Okay, so let me formally introduce my partner in crime. So this is Neil Beerbaum, who is an author, as well as a high performance life and executive coach. And you can hear he's the guy who asks the questions that address the habitual behaviors and make you look at your behaviors and how you're reacting as opposed to what you should be doing, which is responding. But exactly. I think we're getting, we're getting technical here. And what this program is really about is about, you know, talking about behavior as it shows up in our ordinary lives and how we can recognize ordinary behaviors and make those ordinary shifts in order to have a different, better experience of life, which is really our mission statement. So our mission statement formally is we believe that everybody can learn to manage themselves to have a different, better experience of life. And I think your favorite word in that is manage. And of course, so I say that tongue in cheek because what do we normally want to hear? My life will be different in what way? Better and I'll experience all these marvelous things. And that's actually what we want. And yet we don't want to hear this manage work because that's effort. Yeah. You know, so the good yeah. news is between coaching and CBT, um, we're going to show you the hacks, how to do that quickly. Exactly. You know, we, we've lived it and we've seen 
I don't know how many hundreds of people. So, you know, in terms of that database, I think, yeah, we pretty much have those hacks in mm -hmm. terms of mm -hmm. better behavior. Yeah. And this is why we're the behaviorists addressing the behavior in the world. Great, so that's all the formalities tested. over, Kalinda. What <laughs> on earth are we going to talk about? Mm. Like, what are we mm. going to talk about today? Well, I think what we should talk about is what's happening in the cricket. Oh my God, I haven't checked the score, but it wasn't very good. Are you pointing to my behavior when I watch cricket? Possibly. <laughs> Tell me about that. So, so let's, let's imagine this. So in many homes around South Africa, I think from time to time, when the proteas are playing or somebody's playing where it'll have bearing on what happens to the proteas, there, there's a lot of, shall we say, bad behavior. So tell us. Please elaborate on this bad behavior. <laughs> So this bad behavior can take many forms. It mm -hmm. can take the form of... <laughs> Leaping up and shouting at the television screen, I presume. And mm. sometimes that evolves into language that would surprise <laughs> even a sailor, yes. And that's well, kind of what I do in the traffic, but, you know, going back to the oh, exactly, sport... Exactly, where nobody can see you. But I really had a good reason for it, you know? They just weren't thinking and they were behaving so badly on the field of play, which is really what matters. Okay, so, so we've been talking about the behavior of all of us and even me, who's so not really patriotic, can I say that? Um, but, you know, I think lots of us who don't normally watch sports with quite that level of interest have actually found ourselves kind of gritting our teeth and like, oh, why'd he do this? I can't believe he dropped this. Or come on, what's wrong with him? Or come on, I can't watch. And that kind of thing, that would be me. So, you know, swearing quietly inside. And yet, what, what is that all about? Well, I guess in the Practical Mindfulness program, we use sporting analogies all the time because we talk about learning to develop equanimity and being okay with whatever happens. And I often say, oh, but it's a conscious choice. You know, because if you... If it's somebody else's sports team that's on the thing on the TV and you come into the room and you see, oh, it's some game you don't even know, people don't even, you don't care about it. But then when it comes a degree closer to you, say it's your partner's favorite sports team, it starts to affect you a little bit. You feel a little bit, but now it's your sports team, the emotion ratchets up. So we use that as an example of how the closer a thing is to you, the more it's closer to your identity and the stronger the judgment of right or wrong or good or bad or what's happening there, the more emotion you experience. And so we use sport a lot to illustrate that because it's a great example. And then I often say, oh, but actually you can still then choose on a Saturday afternoon to surrender that equanimity and get really stuck in and support your sports team. And the, you're still aware that ultimately it doesn't matter. And when the game's over, you're going to be able to let go very quickly. So I'm just giving that to the benefit of the viewers and the, the listeners out there. I guess what I could say for myself is that I discovered during the latest World Cup that maybe there wasn't as much conscious choice as I would have thought or professed to. And then that lead, led me to really have a look at it. What is it about the sport? And I realized I was really emotionally attached to this cricket team and their performance. And then when I decided I'm not going to, it, it felt almost like a breakup. It felt like I was breaking up with someone. I'm not talking to you all day. I'm just not even going to look at the score. It's like, you know, you're broken up with someone and you're not going to phone them. And so I was, I 
kind of did that. And I managed to get myself to a place where I could really see how strong that emotional attachment is to the things we're identified with and the madness that kind of flows from that, I guess. So yeah, it, it, it was a good exercise for me. And now I'm managing to uh, dip in and out and look at the score without having such an emotional up and down. And I can still enjoy the cricket. However, it doesn't no longer ruins my day or my week or my life to be a Proteus supporter. And he's not just saying that because I was watching with great interest. Um, so there was the drama with one of the games. And I must admit, I felt it too. And it's exactly that within, what, a day or two? I think there was just a day of just absence from any of these triggers. And then w when you watched the most recent one, I was actually quite surprised that you were watching at all. Mm. I didn't mm. hear any swearing. I didn't hear any anything, really. Mm. Mm. Um, I just observed mm. a person watching a screen mm. and then mm. saw to my great mm. surprise that South Africa were playing. Mm. So mm. it really does mm. seem to work. Mm. And so maybe that's a, a good thing for people to use to practice. So in this series, we will talk about equanimity and all of these other principles that we teach in our programs. And equanimity is the ability to be with things as they are. So your, your, your mood doesn't get affected so much. You know, you get the deal. So you don't go, you know, off at a tangent because now you won the deal. And then the next day when you hear that actually... Uh, somebody's changed their mind, then your day crashes. You're able to surf through life with greater equanimity. And there's a great many benefits to that, apart from just becoming less stressed, other benefits as well. It makes you more intelligent, puts you more in touch with the reality of life as it is. But we'll unpack that as we go. The point is that sport is a very good way for people, especially I would say men, because men tend to in my experience, be more engaged in sports and get more identified with that. Uh, yeah, to, to practice that. So, you know, instead of just getting lost in the content of whether your team is winning or not, you can actually use that as a really good training ground for yourself to develop personal mastery, learn to manage your emotions and your responses, your reactions and your responses better. And then when you're on the field of life, like things aren't going your way at work or in your relationship, you actually can apply those same principles in that situation. So speaking of the field of life, mm. as I said earlier, traffic is my particular training ground. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's my yes, road, yes. of course. It's, you know, and it's my school run. And so why is anybody on my road? And how dare there be a police blockade? And, mm. you know, how dare there be a light out when I need to get there at a certain time? So for all the working moms out there, this is particularly, yes, we, we all know who we are. We're a particular tribe. So we're kind of in the middle, aren't we? So we're not the moms who are always available and who do the school trips and all of those things. And uh, dare I say, I'm going to call that category of mom an earth mom. I'm not sounding too prejudiced, am I? But, you know, again, the, I think we're all built to be different kinds of moms. And then we get the other moms who perhaps are smarter because they've got the au pairs and the drivers and the tutors. And then we get those of us in the middle. So we're these part-time working moms. And so we are Ubers and taxis. But the thing is, we're not paying for Ubers or taxis. And we're not super delighted to be doing that. We have come straight from work and we're now bolting to fetch the children from school. Mm -hmm. So that is a perfect storm, is it not? Mm -hmm. So there's no sport 
Nothing in sight, however, there's you and everybody else who's on the same mission. And there's that one parking lot and that one journey to get from here to there. And we're all converging at a certain time when our little darlings are leaving from school. Mm. And that, that is a very interesting equanimity practice. Mm -hmm. So as we said earlier, or as we said in our mission statement, you start to manage yourself because you realize you could have an okay trip or you could have a good trip or you could have a terrible trip and there were no drugs involved, just our roads. And what's interesting is the car thing, kind of, I suppose when we're watching sport as well, we're in our bubble. You know, we're at home, nobody can see us and so we can eh, let it out a bit. Likewise, in the car, somehow, like you wouldn't behave in a bank queue the way you behave in the car. You know, because somehow you're in this bubble and you can rant and rave at the other person because you're sort of protected in some way, that, in a way that you wouldn't rant and rave in the bank queue, you'd actually be a bit more tolerant and polite. You'd, you know, you might see internally, but you wouldn't let it out as much. So those two scenarios... Exactly, exactly. Or those words that come out the mouth that nobody hears. And so I think, yeah, that, those are places where we can really let it out. And so we can look at it as, okay, it's a pressure valve, it's a place to let off steam. And we can look at it as, it's really a place to practice developing ourselves and learning to manage our responses and really take responsibility for those responses. Because if we can do it in that situation, we'll be a lot better equipped to do it in the situations where, you know, something happens and we're about, and we send that angry email or the, you know, things we say to our partner that we didn't mean to and, and that stuff comes out of our mouth. Yeah, these are, are good, good opportunities to practice. Not so, doing that. So these are, are actually just two classic things that happen to people all the time and that we encounter all over the place. And I remember as a child, there were three kids in three years. Not that my mom planned that, but there it was. And so imagine three toddlers, three girls all running around screaming. And those of you who are moms will know that when you hear mom for the 20th time, I don't need to elaborate. Mm. Okay. It's not quite the same as dad. That's usually come and take a spider out of something if it's a girl <laughs> or help I broke something but mom could be anything he's mm. breathing on me you know mm. he's in my room mm. which is also his room or her room and my mom used to say something which was is there blood terribly seriously is there blood and we'd look no is anyone dead we'd look no so when Neil talks about equanimity training mm. that's often what I think about because, you know, is there a need to get that hit up? And at the end of the day, that's what I use when I'm driving. I always think equanimity. So all your sporting examples I bring into the car when I'm driving. Mm. So mom, this side, is there blood? Is anyone dead? No. And on this side, well, you know, does it really matter if your team loses? Will anyone die? You know, usually not. Mm -hmm. And there's maybe blood if it's rugby, but other than that, they don't seem to mind. Mm. You know, are you as the, the person watching bleeding or dying? No. Mm. And if you are, mm. it's definitely not because you're watching or because you're driving. Mm. Although on our roads, that's another topic. Mm. And so I guess mm. what I'm really saying is that equanimity is not that hard if you practice, mm. because one drop mm. at a time, the bucket will get full. Yeah. So in yeah. the same way, just one trip at a time, you know. Yeah. And eventually yeah. you get there in one piece and you didn't scream at anybody. Exactly. And I guess that's the thing is you kind of on your own. So you think, well, I'm just letting off steam. And yet you could turn that around and say, well, actually, this is an opportunity to practice. 
practice developing myself to be a better person, to learn to respond instead of react. And just for everybody, that's one of the terms we talked about our foundations being aware, being non-judgmental, being non-reactive. The thing about being when you're reactive is there's no choice. You just do it. It's automatic. You find yourself pressing send on that angry email. You find yourself getting angry, getting upset. When you are responding, the opposite of when you're being non-reactive, let's say, is when there's the presence of choice. You recognize that this could happen. You could get angry. You could swear. You could jump and shout at the television screen. And in that moment of awareness, you let go of the judgment that is causing you to to want to act in that way. And then you make a choice. You can then choose to respond instead of react. And respond would be saying, okay, I accept what's going on around here. And then you start to see more possibilities. You start to understand the people in the situation better. You start to understand their thinking or what might be going on. And suddenly your whole perspective changes. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you know, it doesn't, you don't spiral off. And so while we're alone in those situations and we kind of think, well, it's a chance to let off steam, actually, it could be a chance to practice responding instead of reacting. So, you know, when we do the practical mindfulness workshops and we talk about the three key elements and the awareness section, we always talk about the outer and the inner awareness. Mm -hmm. So I guess this has a lot to do with that. That it's, you know, when we say we're prejudiced against bad behavior, we're not meaning what everybody thinks, as in all you lot out there. It's actually also you lot in mm, here. Mm, in fact, that's where mm, it begins. Exactly. So at the end of the day, the awareness internally is what leads you to the big culprit, which is the big judgmental monster. Mm -hmm. Because that is what leads to the reactivity almost immediately, doesn't exactly. it? Maybe you just want to talk a little bit about the three key elements. So in our mindfulness program, where we talk about it's practical mindfulness and about how you apply mindfulness into everyday life. So how to use mindfulness to manage your emotions better, how to use mindfulness to manage stress. And we bring in coaching and CBT elements into that program. And in that, we've identified the three key elements. you want to just maybe talk about that for a minute? Yeah, so my favorite one is the first, which is the awareness. Because without awareness of what's going on inside or outside, you, you're actually not even in the program you've got no chance of changing your behavior. Mm -hmm. So the inner awareness is actually what we're talking about as the behaviorists. Because often we love to think it's everybody else, it's the world, it's everybody else behaving badly, but not me. So we're very good at that external awareness when we want to be. And we're hoping to take you on the inner journey in terms of the inner awareness. And once that happens, we get to the second key element, which is being non-judgmental. And we'll talk more about that as we go, all about how identity gets in the way, um, this concept called equanimity, which Neil's an expert on, and he'll be definitely sharing a lot more on that with us. And so when you've got the awareness and the non-judgment, and I promise you it's possible, okay, maybe not 24-7, but it gets there, then the third key element, non-reactivity, becomes quite natural. So if you're aware of what's going on for you and around you, you're managing that judgment, you're definitely not going to become reactive. Great. So we hope that you've enjoyed this. And if you would like to see more, please subscribe using the button below and add some questions in the comment section. We will address, we will select questions. And each time we will do another, we'll answer some of those questions. 
And in fact, please do go ahead and submit those questions because we, we love real life examples. You know, we're not doing a workshop right now. We're talking to you guys. So yeah, please ask us what it is that you want us to chat about in terms of behaviors. Because if you've got an issue with it, believe me, lots of others also do. Exactly, yeah, those, as you like to call it, the pain points. So tell us what your pain points are and what your questions are, and we will gladly answer those in future episodes. So that's the behaviorist signing off. And remember that like we are, we'd like to encourage you to also do your bit in terms of shifting your behavior, be part of the behaviorist tribe, and let's see, bit by bit, behaviorally, we can change our environments, our relationships, and take over the world. Exactly.